Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's NL Full-Time again. I'm Luke Edwards. We've got another action-packed week in the National League and we're also going to be reviewing the FA Cup second qualifying round. Our National League North and South Clubs came in at this round. Who had tears? Who had spills? Who had fears? Who had upsets? We'll find out all that throughout the course of this podcast. But joining me today is Rob Worrell, who's somewhere on the A3. Hello, Rob. Yeah, how's it doing? Good, cheers. And uh, we've got Tom as well. Hiya, Tom Lang. Hi, how you doing? Good, thanks. We'll head back to midweek. Now, Tom, you went down to Sutton versus Boreham Wood. And uh, it was an interesting game. It was kind of the game that they both caught up on because they were both playing in the Iron Brew Scottish League Cup. And Boreham Wood went and won there convincingly. And after the game, Tom caught up with goalkeeper Ryan Hoodart. But first, we'll hear from his manager, Luke Garrard. Here with Luke Garrard, manager of Boreham Wood. Uh, Luke, you won your promotion semi-final here. You've got a 4-0 victory away from home tonight. Do you like coming down to Sutton? Um, no, I've got to be honest. My recent history ain't been great against Sutton. As a player, it's never great here, I've got to be honest. But, um, yeah, I can imagine they, they fueled their, their team talk off the back of the semi-final. I said to our boys, can you imagine what they felt on the day? A lot of their boys played in that game, and I can imagine Doz was... He said it in his programme notes about being playoff finalists. So everyone we're facing at the minute put us on a little bit of a mantle in terms of being in the playoff final last year, so it's hard. Look, I thought we were good today, especially in the first half. I felt that we played the system very well. They play a very narrow four in midfield. They play the two boys up top, and I felt that we managed it superbly. And to get a clean sheet is probably the icing on the cake. I have to say I'm based on clean sheets. I'm based on organisation. To get four different goal scorers was very pleasing. To get a performance like I did out of Justin Shabu was ever so pleasing. And Joshua Mira, who was dipped out today at the start, comes on and gives me 60 minutes, 65 minutes of a complete striker's performance. So, gets his goal, gets his reward. They've come in this week and done extra in, in terms of training with the uh, assistant manager and they've got to adjust the rules. But don't define our season. It just aids our, our progression, our small steps in where we want to go. Sutton are a fantastic side. And I'll be honest now, I reckon they'll be in and around the playoffs. I honestly believe that. I think Doz has done fantastic here. His recruitment in the summer has been fantastic. You look at Clough, you look at Dale. Bennett, you look at Wishart, Brown, Taylor, and for me, yeah, I think it was a good three points, but that is solely it. It's nothing more, nothing less. Um, you mentioned Umaro's performance there when he came on. I thought he was uh, unplayable almost uh, at times. You had to replace two big strikers in Andrade and Ferry this summer. You've brought in some young lads on loan. How well do you think they're adapting to the league? They're doing okay. They need to do better. Um, and this isn't saying that they've not heard before. Um, there's a mentality with young kids coming out of the 23 games, coming out of parent clubs as in Charlton, Brentford. And look, I'm not saying these do, but some people think that you, you, they owe you a favour. And for me, they've got to carve out their own careers. And tonight, I've seen the level they can hit. And if they drop below that, they'll get a boot up their bum. Um, because they need to make sure that they're delivering week in, week out. Because they need to make sure that Brentford and Charlton alike take them back and offer them further deals and start to forge a career um, in the league as opposed to the National League. They're good young players. Can they be better? Yes. Do I believe they can get give me more? After tonight, I think they give me everything and I have to say I thought it was a credit to the pair. Especially, I said to Amira as I was walking out, the mindset of Josh Amira to be dipped out of the squad tonight to then go in, delivering the manner he did, I thought that showed a, a mental strength and a maturity in a young man. And for me, look, they're young, they're complacent why because they are young so no doubt I'll probably get a 4 out of 10 next week <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you're a very vocal manager on the sideline. Uh, you kick every ball and you demand a lot from your players. That's matched by some of the leaders you've got on the pitch in the likes of uh, Tom Champion, Mark Ricketts, David Stevens. How important is having that organisational ability on pitch for you? Listen, I've got coaches on the pitch. I've got 10 boys that coach within the academy in that squad. And uh, their aspirations to progress within our, our club as academy coaches. So I'll give them information and they take it right on board. We do the huddle and do um, bits with regards to organisation and opposition analysis. And I've got to be honest, I set little tricks and traps in terms of giving them the wrong information for them to solve the, the equation. And I have to say, when I give them one bit of information, they take it right on board. And I think that's shown with regards to the boys coaching. I've got eight games tomorrow within the academy and eight of them boys are all taking a game. So... For me, that, that, that gives us the strength in terms of the knowledge they have off the park as much as on it. I talked about Andrade and Ferrier. You also lost a great keeper to the Football League in the summer, but you've brought in two good young keepers in Ryan Huddett and Ellery Balcom. How important is it for you to have that competition between the posts? Grant Smith was an unbelievable um, goalkeeper for this football club, was a great servant for this football club. I lost him, I lost Andrade, I lost Morgan Ferrier, I lost Jamie Turley, I lost Dean Wells, I lost Kane Smith. There's six or seven that could walk into any team in the National League. And look, it's a transitional period for us and we know that and I'm a manager that understands that and I'm not getting above my station in any way shape or form I told my chairman yesterday where I believe I'd bite his hand off where we could finish and yeah look the two goalkeepers I brought in we courted Ryan originally Haddad that is and I think he's, he's showing his, his worth he's had four clean sheets in five starts he's conceded one in five but I accompany with Ellery Balcom he's the best around at England under 20s he's the best goalkeeper for his age group he's playing two years above his age group in England and his competition I need him to make sure that he's buying into what I'm doing he needs to understand he's a Bournemouth player not a Brentford player and he needs to know that it's us not him and us and that's not saying he's doing but I just wanted to make sure that he's a massive part of what we're doing as a football club he's he's been brilliant when he went in at Haven he saved us he kept us kept a clean sheet and he saved two goals with two world class saves and at Wrexham yeah he made a slight mistake but he bounced back and that's a kid with confidence and I honestly believe I've got two very very competitive goalkeepers I need that why because if you're going to compete at this level and not saying at the top end or the bottom end just in general to compete you need competition and you look at my bench today in Manny Parry, Connor Smith, Femi Elisamni, Joshua Mira and Ellery Balcom. They could, they could, any one of them could play in my team and any one of the five that go on the bench could play in my team. And I just think that you need competition. I need to now assess where I'm at with regards to my injuries. I hope you get on the phone to my chairman who's on business away at the minute, try and get me another one through the door. Finally from me, you've clearly got your feet grounded in terms of what you look to achieve this season. However, that's six uh, undefeated in a row now. Um, what do you think you are able to achieve with this squad this season? Um, continue doing the work we're doing. I've got to be honest, I don't want to get ahead of anyone. Why? Because it's 11 games in and look, I, I know how relentless this league is. I know how hard it is. I know how tough it is. I've, I've been involved in relegation battles, uh, mid-table battles and promotion battles with this club in two and a half years and I'd be happy with a top half finish this year. Why? Because we're in a transition and I understand with regards to what we've done in terms of our personnel. I think our recruitment's been fantastic and I look at Jamal Fifield again tonight. I look at um, Femula Samney I look at Justin Joshua I look at um, Ellery Bark and Ryan Huddart there's a lot of new bodies we play a certain way and the manner in which um, we go about our business so for me yeah top half finish would be would be great hopefully we aim that as soon as possible there's a target of points that I want to get to a certain stage and if we can get there brilliant if not we'll fight I'll kick every ball like I do week in week out I'm passionate I'm young I'm learning um, and for me yeah, at times I need to probably shut up on the sideline but 
look, my players react to it, so I'll continue to do it. Absolutely, thanks very much. Absolute pleasure, and, uh, mate. Good luck for the season. Pleasure, pleasure. Ryan, was uh, that something you expected before you came down tonight? No. For the second time I've been here, but I had a feeling that we were going to be in the front foot. I mean, I looked up the pitch at them and their warm-up, and they weren't they were like dribs and drabs when they come out. And I'd look at things like that, and I said to our lads, front foot in, we got a chance. I'd like to come on late, backward step feeling from them. But, and we take advantage of that, as you saw. We, I think we scored three in the first 30 minutes. Um, and we played on the counter-attack really, really well. I think their centre-halves were having nightmares. Um, yeah, no, I'm really pleased with us, with our clean sheet. That's important. We didn't switch off. I was worried about that at half-time. Um, switching off for 10 minutes or we didn't stay in the game. That's very important. And, uh, yeah, we rode it out. I was massively impressed, considering you were 4-0 up, how hard your defensive unit worked towards the end of the game to keep that clean sheet. Um, big part of that, you were very vocal and organising. Is that something you try hard to do? Yeah, I've got to keep these guys switched on for 96 minutes. And if I can wake people up at times in the second half when they need to, that's my job. I'm going to be doing that every single game. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, you've got two quality keepers uh, that you're yep. competing with in yep. Ellery Balcom that's and good. Fred Burbage. Does that keep you on your toes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ellery's a very, very good goalie, very good young goalie. England international, I was like him a couple of years ago. It's good to come into training and be up against someone good every day. I'm used to that from where I've come from. Um, so, yeah, it's good to keep me on my toes. Um, and he's a good professional, which helps as well. You've talked about where you came from then. Obviously, you joined from Arsenal in the summer. Yeah. Um, Arsenal are a club with uh, high standards and big mm-hmm. ambitions every season. Yeah. What are your ambitions for this season at Boreham Wood? My ambitions are to get as high up this table as we can. It's a difficult league. I spent a small time in it with Eastley. Um, but I think, I think this group's going to grow and grow and grow. We've seen glimpses of it tonight. Forwards can bring a lot of confidence out of that game into, into Salford on Saturday. And I think, step by step, we, we might surprise a few. Um, you know, we don't play in front of big crowds at home. Teams might struggle to get up against us coming to our home ground because there's not 3,000 people in the stand. That sometimes helps us. Um, yeah, slowly but surely, I think we'll be alright. We're not going to let in many. And, uh, well, touch wood now. <laughs> I don't think we're going to let in many. So, we to keep going, keep working hard. We'll see where we get. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Ryan. Thank you. So, quite long interviews from both Luke Garrard and Ryan Hood out there, but really good points made by both of them, Tom, and uh, especially Luke Garrard about the, the transition you've had to make this season and the younger players you've had to bring in. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, there's not really a huge amount to discuss about it, is he? He says it all in that interview there. He, he clearly has his head on his shoulders and is very well grounded in terms of what he wants to achieve this season. I think he knows that getting to the playoff final was maybe an overachievement at this stage of Wood's development and I remember we had Adam Virgo on on our opening podcast and he discussed how the nature of being a smaller team that punches above its weight is you lose a lot of your players come the, the season break um, and that's exactly what happened and I very much get the impression from his interview there that maybe he wasn't entirely happy with the contribution of some of the new younger players he brought in and that there was maybe an element of they weren't quite adjusting to the National League and the work ethic required but he was certainly pleased with what he got out of them on that day when they came down to Sutton United they really it was blitzkrieg the first 15 minutes 3-0 up straight away um, and those young strikers uh, Shebu, Umera, Hackett, Fairchild just tearing and experienced Sutton United defence to pieces yeah it was um, it was interesting like you say he, he actually named individuals who he didn't think were quite performing and then have come in and done extra work and things like that and I guess it's um, 
He's maybe used to working with a good mixture of youngsters who are already quite well established in the National League and established players, so he's kind of having to do a bit more extra coaching, but it was interesting, he said his more experienced players are coaching within the club and they're kind of coaching the younger players as well as as well as well Luke Garrard. It's all kind of a big unit there. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and, and even some of their younger players, you know, like the likes of Angelo Balanta, still in his mid-twenties, but he's been around for a long time now. Um, but then they do also have uh, Mark Ricketts, David Stevens, Tom Champion, who are, you know, I name-checked in the interview there. They are all experienced seasoned pros um, and they are absolutely integral to what he's trying to achieve at the club. I liked what he was saying about how he's dealt with Umera and Shebu um, and the other young lads because it's, it's classic man management techniques, isn't it? 100%. He might be telling them, telling me that and telling us that in the press. You can guarantee that he's getting an arm around their shoulders as well, telling them what they're doing well and giving them all the, uh, all the coaching they need to improve because... You know, we've said it before on this show, he is one of the hottest properties in non-league management. Um, and there's a real real hint of the Cowleys about him, I think. Yeah, except there's only one of him. He's not going to bring his brother in, is he? So for, <laughs> I don't know if he's got a brother, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you're saying, he's a good up and, uh, young and up-and-coming manager. They faced a trip to Salford, though, yes, on Saturday, and Salford, who were flying at the minute, won by two goals to one. So again, sort of the inconsistencies for Boreham there, Tom. And, and that's the nature of a squad in transition, isn't it? He, you know, he said it himself, they've given me a 10 out of 10 today, they'll probably give me a 4 out of 10 at the weekend. But also, let's not look at a loss away to Salford City as a bad result. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot bigger squads with higher expectations that will go away to Salford and lose this season. Yeah, it didn't help that he arrived late as well, but um, Luke Guards basically said that he was the best side they've played this season. And for Sutton, they recovered well from that um, tonking they got from Bournemouth. They entertained Wrexham and they beat Wrexham as well. And Paul does well be. He'll be more happy with the way they responded, I think, to that defeat, won't he? Yeah, massively so. I said in my in my uh, blog this week that I think Sutton United, the best thing they could do from that midweek fixture was just to put it behind them and move on. There wasn't really a huge amount of lessons to be learnt because it, it was just that they were messing up passes. They were making defensive mistakes. It was one of those games which can happen to anyone. And to go away, uh, so to go to the next weekend, beat Wrexham in front of over 2,000 fans... Um, I note that Kieran Cadogan was on the score sheet and I think the more he can play the better Sutton United will be um, he doesn't get maybe as much game time as the likes of Tommy Wright or Ross Lafayette in the attacking third but I think he's an absolute live wire of a player and he brings something different that none of their other attackers do it's nice to see him get on the score sheet and James Collins getting his third of the season from centre back not bad at this stage of the season yeah Robert Paul Doswell said he was shocked by Tuesday but what a way to respond against Wrexham who we know don't concede many but score a lot and they conceded three yesterday and didn't score any yeah it was quite a response and almost the perfect game to have I suppose uh, because uh, expectations will have changed a little after that result in the week and then nothing better than to get sort of one of the top two or three teams in the league down with big hopes and expectations themselves I'm sure Doswell would have been talking to them about the week that the, the, the game's gone the three, it was only three points they couldn't win and the only thing they can focus on is the way they that they bounced back and they certainly responded really well and obviously Wrexham did go down to 10 but they were already 2-0 down at that stage as well so um, yeah, I think I think we can definitely call that one a blip for Sutton. They'll be right up there for the rest of the season, no no doubt about that. As as for Wrexham, we'll have to wait and see. Things have been going their well their way, haven't they? And uh, now we'll see how they respond to a little bit of uh, disappointment. They go to Harrogate on 
Tuesday night. Harry got yourself their first defeat of the season. It was a matchup of the two unbeaten sides in the National League, and they played Leighton Orient. And Leighton Orient came out victorious. We heard from Justin Edinburgh. He gave us a little hello at the start of the podcast, and uh, he'll be delighted today. The only unbeaten team left, and he he said uh, basically it was a professional performance, and it's what they were all about. Macaulay Bond scored an absolute world. He then cleared one off the line at the other end. But then he said that Tuesday's game is the most important game in the season so far. They go to Braintree, and they're there to be shot at now. Aren't you, Tom? Uh, they are, you know, that's exactly the sort of game that they could end up losing. Um, I think Leighton Orient have got a really strong squad down there. And I'm actually, I'm just looking at my predictions from pre season. I'm quite irritated that I only put them down to finish third, especially considering I've got Chesterfield top, which is looking pretty terrible at the moment. <laughs> but, um, you know, going to a brain tree side, you might look at it, they don't really have much to lose. They've had a very difficult start to the season. It, isn't it just that would be exactly the sort of National League type result that will turn up a brain tree win? Uh, you know, one goal smash and grab. I mean, Rob, we, I think we predicted Leighton Orient to be champions, and I think yesterday has shown why we kind of predicted them to do that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've got a whole man that would say that I've predicted Salford, who are obviously right back in, in the race now, but I think I did predict Orient for winning the playoffs. And, you know, it's going to be a long season, there's lots, going to be lots of ups and downs, and I, I guess probably not as many teams on top of the league as there was last year, but um, a fantastic result for them. And you've really got to break this one into two. For Orient, who have gone 12 unbeaten, to go and do it on the patch of the league leaders, three goals for, none against, that is absolutely fantastic. And from Harrogate, now is the time to say, very, very, very well done. You've just reached up to a new level, and you've also gone unbeaten in the first 11 games. And finally, they've had a day where things haven't gone for them. Um, I haven't seen the highlights of the game. I look forward to seeing it, but I think they've both earned the right 12 games into... uh, to be considered contenders, boys. Yeah, Simon Weaver said he was disappointing, uh, not with just the result, but that he fell below the standard set. Now, I think that shows why Harry got her up there because I think after a 3 0 defeat against Leighton Orient, some people have said, well, like you've just said, Rob, we've done really well, but the fact that Simon Weaver said, look, we've had high standards, we've dropped below them, and I think that's why they are up there ultimately and you, you maybe see a response against Wrexham he'll be looking for a response himself that'll be a really interesting game that on Tuesday that'll be fantastic you know re- realistically unless they sort of play out a draw only one of them can really respond uh, in the right way I guess to some extent both of them could point to a draw being an okay result couldn't they but no every interview I've heard with Simon Weaver this season he's talked about the standards and talked about reaching them and you know what there's an awful lot of times that um, that I've heard him say they didn't quite hit them in the first half um, but they've kind of rode it maybe got away with it maybe gone in goalless you know and it sounds to me like uh, Orient got themselves they got the nose ahead yesterday uh, and they never looked back um, the obvious threat of Macaulay Bond he notched again puts the pressure on Rooney and Rowe uh, at the top of the scoring charts but what about the skipper what about Joby McEnough um He's a well-known threat. He's been a decent player for a lot of years, but I, I don't remember him ever, you know, really. He's get, I don't know how many man of the matches he's had, and he's scoring for fun almost every week at the minute. Yeah, 37 years old, just in Edinburgh, point to his professionalism and how he's still 
uh, getting out there and doing it every week. One manager who'll be looking over the shoulder and uh, it's, it's teetering according, according to this Sunday's non-league paper is Martin Allen and they lost 3-0 at home to Gateshead Tom predicted them to be champions I think we all predicted them to be up there certainly after the start they did but Martin Allen said it was as bad a display as I've seen from a team of mine in more than 500 games as manager and uh, Rob the axe is swinging I think well I, I, I think we're almost in a in a straight fight between two managers here to hang on to their jobs we'll come to the other one in a bit but this one's uh, staggering really because I love the way Martin Allen breathed into the place. There was no air of gloom and doom because they've been relegated. He lifted the whole place. He met with virtually every member of the party that came in to buy a season ticket. He was given the license to put together the squad that he wanted. Other clubs looked on enviously at the squad he assembled and they promptly hit the road, hit the ground running with three wins. And then, you know, we. We've, we've been bewildered by the run of six straight defeats but then even beyond that you know the couple of draws they've got have been against uh, sides in the bottom four or five um, and last week he cleared a couple out he sent two uh, two on loan to Dover he got three in I think if I remember rightly and he freshened it up again yesterday and they produced an even worse performance he has to be on borrowed time doesn't he um, a club at, at, at that level um, and every, all the backing they've given him yeah, the irony is... You just don't know their financial situation, you know? No, it'd be interesting. I mean, you read the forum and they say this is kind of the beginning of the end for Chesterfield and that they'll be stuck in this league for years. There's a lot of doom and gloom, which is sometimes to be expected from clubs who've just come down from the Football League for the first time in history. They do feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. The ironic thing is, Rob, is that the, Tom Denton got the best rating and he's described as the Chesterfield's most brightest player, a player who's got a lot of aerial threat but and, and he's decent with the ball at his feet but when you've got somebody who's coming up from Alfreton who's, who's putting the other players to shame I think that says how it's going for Chesterfield at the minute yeah you're absolutely right Lou I guess with the bringing in of Tom Denton there would have been a slight adapting you know to, to, to a, a slightly different style that Martin Allen probably feels they need to play and maybe that's going to take a little while um, if we can compare this situation to one Let's look back at Tranmere last year. Everybody was calling uh, for Mickey Mellon to get the sack, weren't they, at this stage? Big, big club, down at the wrong end of the table. Uh, but they stuck with him, and look where they ended up. And uh, I'm sure that, that, that's a case in point that Mr Allen will be talking to his board about this week. Yeah, Tom, I mean, you, you, as you said, you predicted Chesterfield to be champions, and I don't think anybody could quite predict of how bad it's gone in the last month or so no I mean all the received wisdom about this league says don't ever predict the team who's just come down to go up as champions because it very rarely happens you know there's the adjustment period etc I felt confident with Chesterfield because they'd appointed Martin Allen because he'd signed well because he'd brought in players who'd won the league before I think and Rob's touched on it there the fact that in this week he's still seen a, a player shift of five shows that he didn't get his recruitment right um, and I think he didn't he didn't maybe bring in the right players for the division. Tom Denton's a great example. He's brought up someone who's a known battler, and that tells me that he doesn't think his attitude is right on the pitch. Rob's compared them to Tranmere. I'd also compare them to Leighton Orient from last season. When you're talking about the doom and gloom on the fans' forums, that's exactly where Leighton Orient were this time last year. Then they brought in Justin Edinburgh, and things have turned around for them, and they're looking very good now. They've come down with a lot of expectation. It's clearly taken them a little while to get things right. I don't think we're realistically going to be looking at them as relegation contenders, but as it is, they need to start scoring because there's only three teams in the division that have scored less goals than them. 
and that is not something that a team with the budget and the playing squad of Chesterfield should be uh, having said about them. Interesting, Tom. So you're saying they're more likely to know it are tram-made. So if you feel if they're more likely to know it, did he need to bring in, I was going to say, more established manager, but you can't get anyone more established than Martin Allen? Or do you think they're more like tram-made, where they might just get a result and that'll take them off? It's difficult to say. I mean, Justin Edinburgh wasn't the more established manager, was he? But he was someone who had a good connection with the club, and maybe that's what they need. But... I, I don't really understand how Martin Allen's getting it so wrong at the moment because we know he knows how to manage in this league I mean is it a bit like I've mentioned it about York is it that the atmosphere is so maybe negative and down after a couple of bad results and the atmosphere is so negative and down that it's almost impossible for any manager to go in there and change the situation because everybody's wanting the board out everybody's having a go at the players and there's just that not a toxic atmosphere as such but a really downbeat atmosphere possibly and it, and it may just be a case that as ridiculous as it sounds with only 12 matches played they just have to get to the end of this season write it off and there are so many teams who are doing so well already that it's difficult to see them getting up into third places you know they're already 13 14 points off the teams at the top of the league maybe they just have to solidify get themselves into mid-table get those good strong battlers in like Tom Denton and then in the summer say well where did it go wrong this season and how can we put it right yeah it's interesting he said uh, Martin Allen he said that um, they'll probably be asking the same questions of fans as they asked the last manager and the last manager before that and the manager before that so it's a case of his point is basically look if you change the manager again you're going to have to wait for the transition period to take over that maybe not, won't work as well yeah it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out at Chesterfield over the next few weeks another manager who as we mentioned Rob a few minutes ago is Chris Canary is clinging to his job now I know you said in the WhatsApp group there's a lot of people suggesting the Dover fans want him out. I've seen a couple of comments on Twitter, but I've also been contacted by friend of the podcast, Karen Berry, who always gets in touch with us as well. Karen Barry, sorry. Yes, yeah, so she said basically Dover fans are used to success at the minute. They're struggling and the fans, the club management and players all need the support. All they need to do is get behind them. They don't have the money of the other clubs and also it doesn't help with the location uh, and they should stick with Chris Kinnear. I mean... At the end of the day, Rob, he has turned water into wine at times, and he over the past couple of years, and his transfer policy is being questioned now. Do you think he should be given more time, even though the bottom? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Um, he sets up a certain way, knows how to get results in football. I personally don't find it the easiest on the eye, but his record suggests he should be given longer. Uh, he's pulled rabbits out of hats the last couple of seasons. In fact, the irony yesterday's game of the two clubs where they found themselves the managers both in their second spell you know both teams haven't been used to being uh, in the top uh, the top ten the last few seasons it was very very similar but the only thing I would say if you compare the way Dover are playing at the moment to another team in the division then uh, you know with respect it's Solihull Moors and Solihull Moors are doing what they do in a highly effective way. Aldershot are not renowned for being the biggest of teams. They did have a couple of taller players back in the side yesterday, but um, they seem to deal quite comfortably uh, with Dover's set pieces, even though they had big Tim Smalley's about six, six foot seven and Musa uh, at Diara and Toby Show Silver. They were all dealt with quite comfortably. So um, I'm not sure if it's more time, whether it's a change of personnel. Um, it's a difficult one, but if I know a manager in that league who knows how to set about getting results, then it is Chris Kinnear. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it should be given longer myself. It was funny in his interview. Chris Kinnear said the first thing Gary Waddock said to him was like, "Wow, is this how we? Is this how you have to rebuild a team?" Basically, because 
Gary Watt is going through the same sort of thing at Aldershot and, and uh, Dover slightly struggling more than Aldershot now. I mean, it was a big result for Aldershot that yesterday, but Gary Waddick, I think, kind of opened his eyes to Chris Kinnear's struggles a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll have been identi- able to identify with each other's situations. The, bit whole, the whole thing's a bit of an anomaly at Aldershot at the minute because actually they, they've probably got top four, top five home form now, I think. Won four, drawn one, and, and, and lost one against the, the, the league leaders, Harrogate, or the, the, the league leaders that were. But six straight defeats away from home. So it's a slightly different situation there. Um, what you're seeing with Aldershot is that, that, that they've got a young side, so they'll be really good one week, and then the next week they won't show any consistency. Uh, with Dover, it's different. I think he's put together a, 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 you know, there's more experience in there. He plays in a certain style, but he is trying things. Yesterday at times, I just didn't know what position Tim Schmoll was playing. He started as one of three centre backs, and the second half he seemed to start somewhere between midfield and up front. He's trying stuff. He's rolling the dice. He's brought in the two wing backs that played yesterday, both out on loan from Chesterfield. Uh, so he's tinkering right now, and he's trying to find the right balance. But I don't think I see Dover being one of the bottom four this season, certainly if they stick with Chris Kinnear. Not even Naughty Naughty could rescue Dover yesterday. Uh, one player who did give Aldershot some breathing space though was Adam May, uh, signed on loan from Portsmouth this week by Aldershot and he got both goals, didn't he Robin? You caught up with him after the game. Well, I'm here for the National League podcast, going to grab a word with a debutant here for Aldershot Town uh, and also uh, the match winner, both goals as well. Sounds good doesn't it? Adam May, uh, what was your thoughts on your debut for Aldershot Town on loan from Portsmouth? I uh, couldn't ask for it to have gone any better to be honest. Um, Obviously, I came in on Thursday. Uh, Gaffer's put me straight into the team, and hopefully, I've repaid the favour. The way we we looked at it was that it was a really good collective team performance, yep. and 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 the team applied the undercoat, and you applied the gloss finish. Uh, is that a trait of your game, arriving late and being in the right place at the right time, or, um, or was that just one of those days where it went your way? I'd I'd say the latter. Yeah, maybe it's something I would like to add to my game a little bit more. But I think with the way we played today, the gaff has given us license in midfield to run on, uh, join the. Attack and today I was the one that managed to do that to get on the end of the both of the finishes. And uh, what's your brief coming here uh, from Portsmouth? Obviously everybody's looking to win out of it, Portsmouth, yourself and Aldershot Town. Uh, what are you looking to achieve while you're here? Um, so the aim really was for me to, to just get some game time. Um, I've been struggling to get that at Portsmouth at the moment. The boys are flying down there, um, so the team are doing well. So I just saw the opportunity to come out on loan um, and Aldershot was the right move for me. And hopefully today I've shown what I can bring to the game. National League, did you know much about it? Have you have you watched it much on the telly or anything? I guess I guess being being involved with the side like Portsmouth, you probably don't look down too much, do you? No, to be honest, uh, going back two seasons ago now, I went on loan to Sutton and was lucky enough there to have the the massive FA Cup run that they had. And obviously I played a good good 20 games in the league, and that was a big eye opener for me. Um, obviously coming down to this league, it's more competitive, more physical, and that's what I need to bring into my game, um, which is one of the reasons why maybe I am out on loan to get that part to my game and hopefully the quality of my passing and finishing can follow well good to speak to you Dan good luck with the rest of your spell at Aldershot Town so that was Adam May and as you said it was great because he's not only has he come in on loan and scored two in his debut he scored two for midfield as well which is kind of unheard of yeah it's quite rare um, I was hoping that that's what he does regularly but he was honest enough to say in his interview that it was just a good day for him I like his composure it was nice to see someone with a bit of height in the Aldershot side as well. Very, very comfortable on the ball and linked really nicely with uh, Regan Booty, who came back into the 
to the Aldershot lineup yesterday and Adam McDonald who had one of uh, McDonald who had one of his best games of the season. What was also noticeable for Aldershot was that um, with Jake Cole brought back in, probably for his experience, and uh, Carly Osborne finally able to complete 90 minutes as the Aldershot skipper. Um, they looked a little stronger through the spine and. Uh, you know, possibly, possibly better times ahead, but a really interesting game in the week. Uh, and I'm really hoping, boys, I'll get the chance to catch up with uh, Harry Wheeler, because it's all a shot against Maidstone on Tuesday night. Uh, and I suppose as good a time as any to mention Maidstone's first win under Wheeler. Uh, it was at Braintree, but a one-goal win, a clean sheet, and he's off and running. Yeah, and a last-minute winner as well. Last-minute um, penalty by Blair Turgot, which would have taken... Nerves of steel, Tom. In, important that Harry Wheel got off the mark as quick as he did, really. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, one thing that we always say you need when you're struggling down the bottom and it's looking like it's going to be a long, hard season is somebody who can get amongst the goals. Somebody who can score you 20, 25 goals across the season can be the difference between survival and uh, relegation. And in Blair Turgut, they've got someone who can do that. Six goals already this season. He's right up there with the likes of Muldoon, Noble and Bond putting the pressure on Rowan Rooney at the top. And um, if there's one thing we've seen, it's that uh, Harry Wheeler knows how to get the best out of a decent striker, isn't it? So I think that could be a match made in heaven, and it was a good result for Maidstone. Yeah, it meant the leapfrogged Haven, who only drew 1-1 one, one at Ebbsfleet. And Tom, are you surprised at Ebbsfleet? They're, they're really struggling at home this season, aren't they? They've only beaten one team, and that is Aldershot. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they drew again at yeah, home. Hello. It's all right, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, he's gone. No, he hasn't gone, don't worry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely drew at home with having yesterday. And they seem to be struggling at home, Tom, at the minute, don't they? It's quite a surprise that they're only 14th at the minute, for me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they, they beat an older shot at home, um, but I don't think that counts, really, because everyone beats older shot at home. They've got two <laughs> goals scored, 14 <laughs> six losses on the road. That's worse than um, what I said. <laughs> However, Ebbsfleet, you know, every week we come on this show and uh, we'll talk about a result and we'll say, you know, they've gone down to Ebbsfleet and they've got a really good result against a strong Ebbsfleet side. Maybe this Ebbsfleet side just aren't that strong. Um, you know, they look like they should be, but they're sitting in 14th. Um, they, as you say, they have had a really bad run of form at home. They've got a minus goal difference overall. And with all due respect to having the Waterloo, who I like their side, I like their manager you should be taking your full three points against the promoted sides at home, um, especially when two of the promoted sides are as strong as Harrogate and Salford and the league looks very tough. You need to be making sure you're picking up your home points against the teams that are going to be in and around where you're looking to finish come the end of the season. Obviously, they had the player sent off, which makes some difference, but it's just the start. They started terribly behind after two minutes and then you're on the back foot for the whole game. Rob, do you think it's um, a playoff hangover for Ebsleet a little bit? Oh, do you know, I don't know. I, I'm searching for reasons, um, you know, uh, to, to try and understand it a little bit, possibly a little bit second season, a little bit expectations, a little bit the hangover from the playoffs. But I thought he strengthened well, McMartin. I thought he didn't bring in too many players. He kept the nucleus. He added a little bit of strength in key places. I thought they got you know, a really exciting kind of dynamic looking attack this season. Maybe they're just struggling to find the balance. Maybe they're just having a, a bad run too. The only thing I'd say as a positive for Ebsfleet yesterday, having gone behind so early on, those are the sort of games where they can go away from you, but um, they found a way not to lose it. They got back in it and they got themselves a draw. So it's not horrendous, but yeah, I did expect to see them uh, doing a little bit better than this. 
and being a little bit more consistent um, this season. Another team who've kind of slipped away in the last couple of weeks are Bromley, yet to get an away win. They went to Solihull Moors. I know you're a big admirer of Robin. Uh, they got they lost by five goals to nil. They were four nil down at half time, and Neil Smith wouldn't have been happy with that, would he? He won't. But um, that's not the place that you want to go when you're on a run like Bromley are on at the moment. We know of their attacking threat. And they're quite often involved in games with goals at both ends. But um, they've gone behind relatively early yesterday. Uh, and they've struggled against that bombardment that you get from Solihull Moors, which has been working to great effect. I love the fact that they're... I don't like that kind of football, but I love the fact that they're unashamed of it. Tim Flowers... So this is what we're good at. We can't pass through the thirds. You know, we, we we can do this and we're pretty good at it. Thank you very much, you know. And uh, they've already had good home victories this season against the likes of Wrexham. Obviously, Aldershot got beaten 1-0 there as well. Um, as you say, they get beaten everywhere on the road. That stat's got to change at some point. Um, but, uh, no, that's not good. Not good at all for Bromley now. I haven't got the form guide in front of me. And obviously, if I did, I wouldn't look at it because I'm driving. But um, uh, it's not going well. Uh, I don't know whether Neil Smith's under any pressure. But you'd probably group him in if you say which managers, which four or five managers are under pressure in that league. Neil Smith might be one of them, boys. Although, again, I would definitely stick with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Bramley fans want to get in touch with us. It's at NL Full Time on Twitter. Let us know what you thought. Should Neil Smith stay? Should he be given a lot more opportunity? I mean, he's done wonders at that club over the last few years. But has Tom maybe has he hit a ceiling with Bramley a little bit? Possibly. I mean, I think I think Bromley have they've got a decent bit of growth potential. They've got a nice ground down there. Um, they're they're in a well populated, but also not that busy for club part of London. Um, it's, just pulled up the form table after Rob's mentioned it there and they failed to win in five four losses they're 20th in the league on current form uh, I, did, I didn't realise it was that bad at the moment to be honest um, one thing that I have found quite interesting is they've picked every win they've had so far has been when Mark Anthony Okoye has been in the team um, and he was missing again yesterday I've spoken about him before he came in from Braintree in the summer um, and he's a real leader and organiser uh, and maybe having someone like him missing from the defence at the moment is uh, contributing to these these sort of results that we're seeing. It'd be interesting to see, uh, as I say, how Bromley do over the next few weeks. Now, Chris mentioned how tight it was last week uh, around the playoff places and at the top of the National League, and that just bore fruit yesterday because Fylde, who are well in the playoff places, have stuttered over the last couple of weeks. They've had a couple of draws. They got what would be described as probably a decent point at Barnet yesterday but it meant they dropped out of the playoff places and Solihull leapfrogged and we were out of the playoff places last week and it's, it's just so tight down there at the minute Rob and even though uh, Danny Rowe didn't score yesterday uh, Fylde did get a 1-1 draw down at Barnet but yeah one little slip as in not winning a game and you're out of the playoff yeah obviously uh, the old chestnut it's a marathon not a sprint but you know, Fylde did what they, they did what I pointed out last week. When they don't really fire on all cylinders, they dig in and they get points. Quite often, it's been a nil-nil in the past. Yesterday, it's a one-all, um, and I'd actually put that as one of the better draws uh, in the league yesterday. League, team, league positions are one thing; the actual fixtures you're playing are another. Um, and having found their own feet recently on it, then uh, that's a decent draw away from home for for filed um, and uh, yeah I don't think they would be worrying too much about their position especially given last season 
they were quite low, weren't they, at this stage? And they just gradually started coming up the table. And they, a little bit like Ebsley, they timed their run to perfection at the end of last season. Yeah, Barnet mid-table, Tom, as well. Do you think uh, Do you think they'll improve from there? Do you think they'll push on into the playoff places? I mean, they're only four points off them now. Yeah, I mean, I think they will. Um, you know, there's a, a six-point disparity between third and twelfth at the moment, uh, which is where Barnet are. They've had... It, we could say they've had their early season stumble and they've started to pick up results now so a draw against Fylde is not a terrible result um, by any any means Shaquille Coultest on the score sheet again which is nice for them I think I think they will rise up the table and I think an element of that is because there are still some teams above them that I wouldn't expect to uh, be finishing as high as they are currently uh, you know teams like maybe Gateshead I expect to drop down a bit as great a start as Harrogate, Harrogate Town have had Simon Weaver said the target is still avoiding relegation could we maybe expect them to still drop down the table a little bit and then that leaves room for the likes of Barnett who'd expect to continue improving to rise up a bit more yeah it'd be interesting to see how that goes on throughout the season got teams like Halifax and Barrow around them so yeah they could well drop down as you said though it was a good win for Barrow yesterday at home to Maidenhead hi I'm Adam Summerton you're listening to the NL full time podcast going to move on to the FA Cup the National League North and South both came in at the second qualifying round yesterday and there was a lot of uh, a few upsets really the biggest one Rob is a team that we picked out last week Peterborough Sports a team that you know well and they've probably got the greatest result in their history. They went to Boston United and won by two goals to nil, and deservedly so. Um, Craig, Craig Elliott called it as a horrendous performance, and but t- he took nothing away from Peterborough Sports. He said credit to them, they fully deserved it, and they'll be absolutely chuffed. Well, I don't know particularly well, but it is in my area, and I've been following their progress you know, a little bit over the last few seasons, and it was almost the, the uh, cherry on the ice on the top of the cake of what they've been doing, really. Uh, that was their cup final yesterday. Uh, they, they've earned another cup final now possibly depending on what the draw is uh, and it's your ultimate nightmare isn't it if you're somebody like Boston uh, we've picked it out as, as one to watch as we did indeed with uh, uh, Stockport going to South Shields and they got the job done fair play brilliant you know doff of the cap team of the day Peterborough Sports absolutely uh, superb for them and uh, on the flip side of that well done Stockport for coming through their banana skin um, up at South Shields 2-1 I think the last minute winner yeah some really interesting comments from South Shield manager Graham Fenton actually said he was really angry and upset to lose to a team like Stockport because they aren't as good as us even though they're a division above he's basically saying that South Shields have a better squad man for man and that's really interesting because you think of Stockport as being a really big grand club and for somebody t- for South Shields who are up and coming to say that it's a bit interesting comments isn't it really it is do you know what I love it on the rare occasion you hear any comments like that in football anymore because everybody's now so media savvy nobody wants to give anybody any leverage to uh, to use the comments they said obviously it's slightly different uh, after a game and they're not likely to meet again you know at least for maybe a, a season or two but uh you love it. It's just so refreshing when people just come out and say actually what they mean, and uh, you can kind of get where he's coming from. There was a bit of needle apparently throughout the game, as it is. So yeah, if they do, if their paths do cross again, then it'll be interesting to see how they do. Another team who went away to a National League South team and won another upset that we can pinpoint is Worthing going away to Chelmsford City and winning by two goals to one. And Worthing, you saw a couple of weeks ago, Tom and. Is that a shock for you? I wouldn't say it's a shock necessarily. Um, Worthing have got a, 
a decent side down there. They're very confident around the club at the moment. Um, things weren't looking so rosy for them last season. They brought in a new manager at the beginning of the summer, and there's a real air of positivity down at Worthing at the moment. Their average attendance this season has risen by almost 50%, which uh, at step three is, is pretty huge. And they feel like they're really going to go in places and going to achieve something this season. It was a good result, but yeah, not necessarily an upset, I wouldn't say. They're sitting second in the league, they're going strong, and it was exactly the sort of game that the FA Cup would throw up. Yeah, and Scholing, they came, you saw Slough a few weeks ago, Tom, and they were two goals up against Scholing, and Scholing came back to earn a draw there, which was a, another quite surprising result, really. They expected Slough to have uh, seen the game out there. Um, yeah, especially with Slough being at home. You know, their pitch is a real asset for them. They're on the 3G, um, and there a lot of teams that will come there and visit them and maybe not be used to that. Um, so for a lower league club, to come up and come back from behind especially with Slough they've been on a bit of a decent run of form recently you know Matt Stevens got a hat-trick in the week they, they've got the confidence um, so yeah it's a really good result for Sholing nearby as well there was a, a real potential for a giant killing as well with Wantage from Step 5 uh, Hellenic League playing against Hungerford Town and they managed to take that to a nil-nil um, which means they'll be able to take them back to their own home ground in the week and uh, Hungerford are really ripe for a, a giant killing, I think. Another team who've been singing the praise of recently are Leamington. Uh, we're going to catch up with Paul Hollerin in next week's podcast, All Being Well. Chris is off down to see him. Um, but they lost 3-2 at Stalbridge, and Stalbridge have a pedigree in the FA Cup of doing well over the last few years. They've reached the, I think they've reached the first round the last three of the four years, and uh, they've done it again by beating in farm Leamington. Really good result for them. Another one you pick, want to pick up on, Rob. I know it's not involving a National League club, but St Neots Town uh, a club that's close to yourself yeah that's the town I live in and I get along and see them just occasionally when I can when, when they're playing and all the shot on and I was so so pleased for them yesterday they played Romulus a game they would have given themselves a good chance in but they were 3-0 down boys and it was one of those uh, special special occasions they, they clawed their way back they got back to 3 all, and then a late late winner and uh, you know they won it 4-3 and I I'm not sure if it came officially from the club or it was retweeted by the club, but I've seen some brilliant social media footage of those goals. And when that final goal goes in, people just could not contain themselves. Everybody off the bench, the subs, the management, everybody running onto the pitch. It was wrong, but it was so, so right. You'd, you'd love them to get to the fourth qualifying round and, and play all the shot at home, wouldn't you? So it'd be on your doorstep. Oh, that, oh 100%. <laughs> I've, I've wanted it to happen for, for a couple of seasons. The Neats came very close uh, two, three seasons back, I think. They were involved in the end of season playoffs, and uh, you know they didn't go up. Truro did, and obviously Truro went on to do what they've done didn't they so uh, yeah I do hope that one day I get to see all the shut town play at St Neats that'll, that'll be the one time I'll watch St Neats and won't want them to win um, but uh, I do keep an eye on them and I like to see them doing well and I'm fascinated to see who they get in the draw because it's just one more round now the third qualifying round before the National League clubs come in and then you're only one round away from uh, League One and, and, and League Two sides coming in. Yeah, a decent result for Truro as well down at Hereford, nil-nil. Uh, Kidderminster, they comfortably beat Atherston by five goals to nil. And 
I caught up with the National League clubs. Um, well, he's just a fan, really, but gets involved with the media. Shane Wilkinson, and he told me all about Kidderminster's season so far. So riding high this season in the National League North are Kidderminster Harriers. They slipped to a, their first defeat of the season at Chester on Tuesday evening by three goals to one. However, they did bounce back yesterday by winning the FA Cup by five goals to nil. And somebody who can tell us all about uh, the season and how well it's going is somebody who works for the club in the media section. It is Shane Wilkinson. Hiya, Shane. Hello. Just tell us about your role within the club. I work within the club of Fit. It's uh, one of the most spin off the Paul and Harriers online, and I've uh, just been a contributor over the years to the Master Force, and I've uh, picked up a bit more this season. But uh, yeah, something I enjoy doing. I'm at the game anyway, so why not talk about it? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Neil McFarlane was appointed in the summer. Uh, a name that not everybody knew. We replaced John Eustace, who went off to be Steve McCorran's assistant at QPR. And John Eustace had a very sort of drilled way of playing, then it was pass, pass, pass all the time. Whereas Neil McFarland, it seems to, from the outside looking in, is that he's still got you playing that way, but he's added a bit of grit and steel as well. Yeah, he's got it absolutely banged on there under John Eustace. It was very regimented, which ultimately did cause some of our defeats, like you referred to on the previous podcast, the teams that. That's one wouldn't expect Harriers to lose to, but in the McFarlane this year, it's pragmatism as well. It's known that sometimes we've got to down on that, we've got to dig in, as well as playing the nice stuff. So it's certainly a nice, refreshing change. It's something we've all called an out for, really. As, as lovely as the football was under uh, Mr. Eustace, sometimes you just got to have that little bit of practicality in this league. So, in terms of, you're still playing a good football, but when you go away from home and you need to grit it out, you've kind of got that, look, it's going into Rose Ed mentality now. Not even away from home, we have to do it to Taylor Rose. The Ashton, the Ashton game of the third believer, again, not wanting to knock John Eustace, but I don't think we'd have, we'd have come back in that game last season. His early doors, but he changed at half-time, and we, we all know, obviously, that's when it's all from a 2-0 going down to real so it's that tactical flexibility we're obviously looking to push on it but also the tactical we can play lovely football and we still play some wonderful wonderful football but we'll go to places like York and where we might have been a little bit timid last season we'll go we'll go to there we'll impose our game we'll so yeah, I mean, it sounds really encouraging. I, I saw you a couple of times last year, and uh, John Eustace was quite a quiet manager. I mean, just tell us about Neil McFarland. He seems quite a positive guy in his interview, but he also, I reckon, he comes across as he's got a bit of luck. If they need a kick up the backside, they'll get it. Uh, Neil's the complete polar opposite of, of John Eustace, and that's why he's such a hit with the fans. He's constant non-stop intensity. He's never, he's never off, off his feet as to point yesterday against Atherstone in the FA Cup with falling up and he's still on his technical area and it's all just clapping and cajoling the team and we're talking about a game where we're falling up against a team of step six and yet he's still giving it that intensity a full time still giving it the fistball so every game means everything to that man and see as fans at this level what, what is it we really want to see out of, our, out of all our teams it's just that passion the, the hard work and the desire as long as you get those three things I don't think any fan of any team in any league is going to have a negative thing to say and of course you know we probably will lose games this season have a poor run every team does but it's, it's acts like that that will buy a little bit more time compared to somebody like you this is a lot more reserved and kept us all the power games we fortunately uh, helped with some of the criticism that certain inductions of the fans had given 
In terms of sort of fans themselves, do you think the fans have been a bit impatient? I know when you first came down, I said, I think in last year's podcast, that last season was um, a se- would have been a season too early anyway. I think this season is a season you've got to really look at. Maybe you, you do look set behind the scenes now, a bit more like a, a settled structure. You've got the players in now on paper as well. You've got a good mixture of youth and experience. And I think this could well be your year. I mean, ordinarily, Charlie wouldn't have got off to the start that they have done and you'd be top by now probably. First time we've had another team speak off like that. We remember they were Mansfield when up in 2012, they speak off, and we were with them. Well, maybe, maybe we are. Maybe it was a reason that Charlie did us two years ago in the playoffs. Maybe there was a reason back for Park Avenue dealt with us. Last year was that naivety, both tactically and on the pitch. But now we've got the chairman who's been in the club at this level for three years. We've brought in players who have got experience, but some good quality youngsters, and we've just blended with using what we've learned over the last couple of years and we're putting the practice but also the fans have been educated as well it's easy when you go down the league when you look at Leeds and in the league above when they get the conference everyone thinks we should breeze it or out of sleep we've got to go to think that and we'll go to fans like we'll the absolute moment and I do think it was because you've got an respect but now we're an established national north team we don't believe any delusions of grandeur that anybody has this is where we're at we're here for a reason we how can we maximise what we do in this league and this season I think that's what we're going to do I agree I do think the tape something to stop us but of course I'd say that wouldn't care in terms of the just the, the game on Saturday against Dallastone was it as comfortable as it sounds? it was yes the ultimately professional performance I think it was 34 shots in the end 22 of those coming in the first half but it was only one and a half time Atherston dug in well but ultimately the ball steps quality that showed the fitness showed it could have been a couple more but for absolute credit to Atherston that came a massive massive game probably well supported and there's a credit to themselves and their football club excellent well uh, thanks for joining us Shane and uh, best of luck to Kid and Mr Harry's and we'll be keeping tabs on you throughout the season excellent thanks so much for having me so that was Shane Wilkinson from Kidderminster. They'll be hoping for a good draw in the next round. And another team who've been singing praise about recently are Chippenham. Now, they uh, they were 2-1 up with only a few minutes to go and ended up drawing 2-2 against Swindon Supermarine. Bit of a surprise considering the way Chippenham have been going this season. But I caught up with a fan, Lee Kington, to find out her, his thoughts on Chippenham's season so far. And we're going to have a quick look at the, the other side who are quite surprising this year on the, the, the podcast have surprised a lot of people including ourselves in the National League South it is Chippenham Town and joining us to tell them, uh, tell us about their season so far is Van Lee Kington hello Lee oh hi Luke how you doing you alright yeah I'm good cheers we'll start off with the result on Saturday you've been on a really good run but uh, you fell to a late equaliser to Swindon Supermarine and you have to do it all again on Tuesday night now yeah well it was it was a pretty scrappy game I mean the weather played its part really and then um you know, fair play to Swindon they came back and got a I'd say a deserved equaliser in the end but I mean doesn't help when when you've got 10 men but uh, I'll you know look a, look forward to going again Tuesday really yeah like you said I mean you've had a, a fantastic season last season it was a bit probably underwhelming or expected to be where you were you were just above the relegation places throughout the season many people I think tipped you to be around there again this season but the last few weeks mm. you've beaten fancied Billy Ricky Concord Tom Torquay mm. as well uh, I mean what has been the turnaround this year um, I don't know I think just I think last season we sort of had a good sort of end to the season like we won quite a few of our games and then I think we sort of carried that form into it a little bit and then uh, Mark who's fantastic just added a couple of players I think we just sort of carried that form into it really I think you know it's just 
nice sort of being considered underdogs really you know what I mean it's sort of you know people don't fancy us and then we've gone and beat teams like you say Concord and Billericay so yeah it's been great <laughs> I mean you're in the playoff places now do you dare to dream or oh god I think it's too early to think about that yet ask me again at Christmas I think you know like uh, maybe if we can keep keep a sort of run going you know sort of just keep picking up some wins and I think we can we could be up there certainly for sure because I know you've got um, your crowds stay about the same, don't they? Around the three four hundred mark, but you're very loyal bunch as well. They, they never really dipped, mm. even when you were struggling last year. And I suppose that's a yeah. help when um, teams come down to Harden Huish Park, don't they? Oh, absolutely. There's such a community around there, really. You know, people, everyone knows everyone, sort of thing. You know, everyone just gets behind the team, no matter what, really. Like win, lose, or draw, we're always there to support the lads. So I think that's I think that's fantastic about us, really. Yeah. And d- just tell us about the place to look out for this. You've got um, you've got yeah. James Guthrie. He can replace David Pratt last year for, for David Pratt for goals for last year. He got sent off against mm. Swindon, didn't he? But um, he's done well for you in the past few weeks. Yeah, James Guthrie. James Guthrie is probably. I think he's our longest serving player now. He's just he's just fantastic. He just comes up. He scored a great goal against Billericay the other week, and uh, obviously got uh, the free kick against Gloucester last week. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. And we've obviously replaced I mean we've sort of lost Sandell for a month now he's gone on loan because he's been injured and stuff like that and uh, we've just brought in like a couple of players from Bath Matt Jarvis who's who's scoring a few goals and Nick McCooty will pop up with a couple as well so yeah I think Mark's sort of gone out and replaced like for like really if you want sort of thing you know he's we've lost players but then we've just managed to replace them so yeah yeah, they're two really good signings. They did really well for Bath last year, and as I say, mm. with you being in the playoff places now and you're strengthening with that kind of quality, you used to say you can't stay, if not in the playoff places, at least in the top ten. Which I'm sure, as fans, you'd all be chuffed with if you finished in the top ten, even if you didn't make the playoff. Oh, exactly. We we sort of said last our aim last season was to stay mid table and just build on that. So anything top ten would be fantastic, really, especially for. We're not the biggest club. We don't have the biggest budget. You know what I mean? It's sort of, you know. And then you're coming up against teams like Torquay to finish some like above them or Woking or someone like that would be fantastic. But you know, see how it goes. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Lee, and best of luck for the rest of the season. We'll track your progress as the season goes on, and we may get you back on at Christmas and ask you again, will you make the playoffs? <laughs> Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me on. And that was Lee Kington there, and he's quite confident, gave praise to Swindon as well. And it was interesting, Tom, as well. They said they'd be, uh, he said one of the quotes he said was, Ask me again at Christmas if they can make the playoffs. I think they're just they're trying to keep it grounded. He said if they reach top 10 and improve on what they did last season, they'd be chuffed to bits. And uh, if they reach the playoffs, I think they'll be, uh, I don't, I think they'll, it'll be a case that they won't care if they get beaten or not in the first round. They'll just be, um, they'll just be spraying the champagne if they reach the playoffs. Absolutely, and um, there's a tendency, particularly where I live in Southwest London, to look at the National League South with something of a, a London-centric viewpoint. Um, there are some very big clubs from the London area when you look at the likes of Woking uh, and Dartford, for example. But actually, the big town teams, the likes of Chippenham and Bath, put together some really strong squads. Um, and Chippenham manager will be uh, delighted if he makes the playoffs um, I'd be surprised but not that surprised I think they've looked very good and then again if they can get to the first round of the FA Cup for example the prize money that's available this year I think it's £9,000 for winning this round um, that is you know, you're know, you very soon getting once you get to the fourth qualifying round the sort of money which is talking about paying entire seasons playing budgets for clubs the size of Chippenham and that is a massive difference 
Yeah, I think if um, I think if you got in, went in at the first qualifying round, and you got to the first round of the FA Cup, you're making thirty thousand pounds in prize money. So it is a massive carrot for, like you say, teams like Chipping them. They can, if they are going for the playoffs, it's just that little bit of extra money maybe they can put aside to give it that final push. Yeah, I mean we saw it last year with Canvey Island when they got up to the playoffs. All of a sudden they're bringing in Sam Higgins from East Thurrock, who's just top scored in the National League South. Now that's money that they've been able to put aside to bring in a bit of quality to try getting them over the line in the uh, playoffs. Didn't work for them. If someone like Chippenham could make thirty grand from FA Cup run, then maybe that gives them the ability when they get towards the playoff run to just bring in a good striker for the last couple of months of the season or an experienced centre back who can tighten things up for the last couple of months. And it can make the difference. Another result, actually, was um, Spennymore, who've been doing really well recently. They lost 2-1 at Witten Albion. A really good win for Witten. And then a couple of teams who survived a bit of a banana skin. Curzon Ashbury, they won at Radcliffe Borough after falling behind. Glide Spartans, a 3-1 down at Nant, which with only a few minutes left, and managed to salvage a 3-3 draw. Now, another tie I want to look at takes place on Sunday. So it's been recorded. It's being played as we record this and it's it's Plymouth Parkway they're playing up at Evesham against Gloucester and I know um, Plymouth is uh, your manner Tom so interesting it's a really big tie for Plymouth Parkway and a potential banana skin for Gloucester yeah it's a huge tie for Plymouth Parkway um, they've, they've become the first club uh, from the South West Peninsula League to accept promotion to the Western Premier since Buckland Athletic and it's very difficult for clubs in Cornwall or just on the Cornwall-Devon border to actually move up to the pyramid because a lot of the teams that we're playing this season are up in the uh, Gloucestershire, Bristol area. So their average travelling distance is around 200 mile round trip at step five, which is madness. Games like this, we've talked about the money of the cup, that will enable them to sustain themselves for a season of playing at that level. If they can go up again, then obviously the crowds become bigger and the travel becomes more manageable. So this is a huge game for them as a club. Gloucester City, I think, are there to be taken. Um, some of the players Parkway have brought in they've brought in the likes of um, River Allen on dual registration with Tiverton he was playing National League South last season they brought in Stuart Yetton from Truro he was playing National League South last season and to be honest I'm absolutely gutted I can't get there to watch it because I think it could be a real uh, humdinger of a game and Tom I know you were at a Step 3 game yesterday so that's one division below the, the National League South just tell us about that you went down to Staines didn't you yes it was um, Staines Town against Hartley Whitney um, with both of those teams having been knocked out of the FA Cup they managed to rearrange their fixture, which was scheduled for the 8th of December, which is probably sensible given the almost inevitable postponement that would come about at that time of season. And quite frankly, it was a mental match in the rain. Um, Stainstown produced, no word of hyperbole, the worst 45 minutes of football I've seen from a Step 3 scene ever. And it was quite surprising that Hartley Whitney were only 2-0 up at half-time. Staines offloaded their manager, um, Christian Kolas, in the week and had Adam Wicks in his interim. He must have done a good job at half-time because by the 65th minute, his side were 3-2 up. They also managed to have a shot and clear it off the line themselves. Um, they could have been 4-2 up. And then in the last 10 minutes, it went even more potty. Um, from 3-2 down, going into about the 78th minute, Hartley Whitney turned it around again and ran out 5-3 winners, um, which means that because none of the teams around them played, they're actually sitting top of the Evo Stick League South Premier, um, which considering they're a village of just about 4,500 people playing in a league with the likes of Weymouth and Tiverton Town and Basingstoke, is really quite an achievement. Um, they've had two successive promotions in a row. I think a third might be a bit too much for them, but at the moment, you know, they're top of the league and dreaming. Yeah, I just wanted to mention about Hartley Whitney as well. Um, as you correctly pointed out in your blog, Tom, 
They are indeed from Hampshire. A good friend of, of mine, actually. He does support Aldershot, but used to live in Hartley Whitney, and he goes to watch them whenever he can. And it's just such a fabulous story down there, you know, to see their, their progression, a little bit like the Peterborough Sports one. And they're really batting way above their sort of what you might perceive to be their natural level now and and the romance just goes on and on and and listeners if you haven't cottoned on to it already by the way we kind of we kind of stole tom a little bit he he does some brilliant all-round work not just with his photographs but his blogging and obviously now on the podcast too take a look at his website uh, at um, groundrootstourist.com is it Tom? Gra- grassroots tourist grassroots tourist now i got the name wrong but it's in my favorites um, and it's well worth a read. And uh, when he's in the country, Tom, he's prolific at going to matches. How many have you done in the last two weeks, Tom? Uh, I've done ten in September. Wow, um, <laughs> that's a lot. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not good. Good, good way to get around and see the grounds. Yeah, definitely give it, give it, a, um, give it a, a look. I mean, I know when you post it and, and you, you tag in our Twitter feed, you do get a lot of likes and a lot of comments about it. So it is obviously very, very popular. So yeah, take a look at that. He's a, at GR Tourist on Twitter as well so you can always find links to his blog on there I think that's a good time to uh, say goodbye so thank you all for listening Rob thanks for joining us safe trip back yeah great to chat boys look forward to speaking next week after some great midweek games as well yeah and Tom thanks for joining us as well yeah cheers guys thanks very much uh, I've been Luke Edwards thank you all for listening if you do want to follow us it's at NL full time on Twitter until then happy football watching and we shall see you all soon